welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that looks at the inspiration, intention, action, and choices that you can make to bring more joy into your life, into the world, and into other people's lives. This is your host, Paula Jenkins. Welcome to episode 236 here on Jumpstart Your Joy. This week on the podcast, I'm really delighted to be talking about changing the narrative for small businesses and entrepreneurs in marketing with the amazing Ginger Birkenbuehl of Burke Creative and the Honest Field Guide podcast. Ginger's going to be on in just a minute. We had the pleasure of meeting at She Podcast Live. And I truly enjoyed her humor, her realness, and her enthusiasm for podcasting with her co-host, Esther. So it's a real treat to have Ginger joining me here in just a minute. I know you guys are going to love her. Before we get to that, I would like to say welcome and thank you so much for tuning in this week and always. It's such a treat to get to do this show. If you're new, I want to give you a big warm welcome and say thanks so much for tuning in to Jumpstart Your Joy. If you are curious about this show or about the 235 back episodes, you can find out more about me and the show at jumpstartyourjoy.com. And while you are there, I invite you to sign up for the Three Joyful Things newsletter, which comes out every Thursday. And it's where I take a deeper look at the inspiration, intention, and action that you can take based on an aha moment that I've had at some point during the week about the conversation that I've had with a guest or something that's come up if I'm recording a solo cast that week. You can find the link to that on the homepage of jumpstartyourjoy.com. It says something like sign up for the Three Joyful Things newsletter. Click that. You'll get on the newsletter list. And of course, there's show notes for this episode. Ginger and I are going to run through a lot of things quickly. And you're going to want to check out some of the links, I bet, that she talks about and that I talk about. So you can find the show notes with those links. Either if you're a subscriber, it'll be in your podcast app. Or you can find them at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash episode 236. And scroll down to the bottom of the page, it'll say resources. And if you like what you hear and you want to subscribe, I recommend Spotify because it has a lot of great shows. The user interface is so much easier than some of the other apps. And it's just really neat. You can create playlists. I just like Spotify a lot. So check that out. You can under podcasts, look for Jumpstart Your Joy and hit subscribe. Or Apple Podcasts is another great one if you have an iPhone. And the other thing I want to say is congratulations to Jinja because in this last week, she also just had a write-up in Forbes. Oh my goodness, congratulations about how she Google-sized her mindset as an entrepreneur. And so that link's in the show notes. I want you guys to go check it out because wow, what a, it's a great article and just uh, so deserved. What I love so much about this discussion that you are about to hear is part of the Joy of Marketing series. I'm just going to call it a series now because we've gone way past the month mark. And we're diving into how to look at things with new eyes. I think this is really important as we all consider marketing because it's so easy to think that once we've taken a look at a platform like LinkedIn, or maybe it's Pinterest for you, but maybe you've tried it once and decided, eh, that didn't work for me. And now several years have gone past one of the things that Ginger and I are talking about is how it's really important to go revisit some of those platforms and check them out again, because maybe there's something new that's changed either an algorithm or in how people are using that thing. And it might be a great marketing tool for you. 
We also are talking about how to change the narrative that you might have in your head and how you can question some of those things you've been making assumptions about and are holding you back in some way that you could rethink because you're an amazing person. And if you're here and you have a business, you have an amazing business. So, you know, how do you get into the mindset of letting that grow? So I'm so excited to have Ginger Burkabeel here. Welcome to the show, Ginger. Thank you, Paula. I'm so glad to be here. This is great. I know. We had the ultimate, utmost pleasure of meeting at She Podcast Live. So shout out to that group. That was like one of the highlights of my 2019. Yes, it truly was. And so, of course, in February, we are looking at the joy of marketing here on Jumpstart Your Joy. And I wanted to have Ginja on because I feel like you have a wealth of knowledge to share with the audience here. But before we get to that, would you please answer, as a little kid, what were your earliest sparks of joy? I love that. I mean, my earliest sparks of joy are very, very simple as a child. I love candy and I hardly ever got it. I know it sounds (laughs) very basic, but... I hardly ever got candy. And so whenever I did, you know, every single Friday, my mom would allow me to go and have a cream soda or go to the local, you know, store down the street where I grew up and get candy with a couple of bucks that she gave me. And I would have friends behind me because we were all kind of the same in the same boat trying to get candy. And I just, I remember that very clearly because the way that the world is now, and I have three children of my own, they can have candy whenever they want and everything's at their fingertips. And so I, struggle sometimes to find out what brings you joy if everything is at your fingertips and there's no no anywhere you have a yes everywhere you turn so I mean you know candy was my space because I we never got it I didn't get candy every day I didn't get a cream soda (laughs) right yeah that's interesting yeah it's it's such a simple thing and then and having the freedom to get some money and walk down the street by myself and sometimes like I said having friends behind me and having that freedom of of walking to the store, picking up some candy and trying to figure out how to count the change. My kids have no idea how to do that. They just use their phones. It's amazing. I have fond memories of of my childhood because of my Friday freak out sweet days Mm. with my mother in Hyde Park. That's very sweet. Yeah. It brings me back to, we used to sometimes, I think it was a quarter and we could go in to this little red, literally called the little red store. And they had Star Wars cards that would come with a stick of bubble gum that was awful. But that was like, I mean, that was a little bit of heaven, you know? And I think there's something too about that, that like part of the reason it was special is because there wasn't a lot of access to Star Wars. Similar to there wasn't a lot of access to candy. And it was like, there it is. But both those things have totally changed. Would you like to share what it is that you do now and, and who do you work with? Yeah. I mean, I'm excited because I just launched my Honest Field Guide podcast about a little over a year ago. I have a co-host, Esther Coro, who is on many, many shows with me. I'm not all of them, but we have really great conversations. And the podcast is a product of my company, Burke Creative, which is a visual identity and multi-brand strategy agency. And so what we do at this agency is we help companies keep up with the pace of change because change is happening so quickly. It's not just small businesses that are trying to figure out what to do, but large businesses are too. I mean, so just believe that if it looks on the outside, like they know what they're doing, they really don't. The technology is completely turning things upside down. You know what I was thinking about earlier? We work with a lot of amazing companies. We work with large brands like Google and Facebook. But we also have mid-market companies that we work with, and we help them launch their brands from the, from the naming of the companies all the way to the establishment online. 
We also work with individual entrepreneurs. I have a particular um, interest in working with women entrepreneurs because women specifically have different needs in order to be successful and to use their voices. So I do a lot of coaching and personal coaching and sort of inspirational teaching to women entrepreneurs to help them be successful because this is a long road, a long journey to get to success and especially to find a place of financial freedom. But what's really fun about my work is that I get to meet really interesting people and my day is never the same. You know, I don't have the same job, right? right. Sometimes I wish I was a postwoman and I could just deliver mail and that was my job every day. And I would leave every day and my mail was delivered and I'd go the next day and deliver more mail. No offense to postmen because you know what, they have great retirement benefits and things like that. But I love the fact that I get to meet interesting people and I'm experiencing different events and cultural events and networking events. And, and my work with my agency has, has allowed me to have a national footprint and help me go global with some of my conversations and relationships. And so I'm very grateful for that. But I'm also grateful for finding the right clients to work with that actually trust me and give me the space to stretch and to do cool things for them on their behalf. Yeah. Well, and would you share a little bit about what like lights you up personally about getting to work with marketing and advertising and helping somebody figure out like, what is it that makes you unique? What lights you up about working with that? One of the things that lights me up is when I see other people have a light bulb moment and say, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that. Or I didn't even know that existed. Or the narrative in my head was very different than what their narrative needs to be. I need to break the narrative. Oh my gosh. And this is not just an individual that has these moments, but it's also people that work in large companies that are very lamed or very siloed and they haven't had the opportunity to see other spaces. So that lights me up if I'm in a position where I can be a catalyst for change in some kind of a way. Now I'm not saying like I've helped somebody make a million dollars, which I have, or I've helped someone decide to take a step out and quit their day job, which I've definitely had an impact doing that work as well. So anytime I, I know I've made a difference means everything to me. It helps drive me and feed my my feed the energy that I give out and gives it back to me. So that's sort of, you know, and I have to be careful sometimes, right? Because I want to help everybody, but I also have to make a living at it. And that is, I think, one of the balances, because I would say that you are likely a multi-passionate, meaning you like all the things. And maybe, at least in my own experience, it was hard to narrow it down into the one thing I wanted to be when I grew up. And now, well, it's podcasting. And (laughs) thank God I finally found it at my advance. I'm all grown up now. I want to be a podcaster. It took me, you know, forever. But here I am. (laughs) But I figured it out. And I think... There's something in there that's really interesting about how kind of taking a step back and realizing that things that are, that there's a lot of room for exploration as you're looking at what maybe marketing is. Because I think what I'm kind of hearing you say too is there's that space where it can be fresh and fun and it doesn't have to be the way that maybe you were thinking about it previously. We were talking a little bit about print Mm -hmm. and some industries that are still reliant on print as their main marketing line, which is... I mean, I never have done print. Yeah. <laughs> Only as like integrated marketing with a, like a TV spot or something. Right. I call myself a digital native. That's all I've ever done, even though that's 20 years in the making, which is a long time to be in that, in that space. Are there some things that you feel like light people up when they realize, oh, I don't have to think about it that way? Yeah. I mean, I'll give you an example. Last night, I um, delivered a workshop for Floor, which is a woman-owned business in Chicago um, owned by Kelly Marie Thompson. And it was a room of 35 plus women in the wedding industry. And I was fascinated because 
the wedding industry is such a, a closed environment. It's a real tight community. And so the first step is that they showed up admitting that they don't know everything. And that was, that was amazing because Kelly has a huge community of amazing women and they all follow and respect her because she's got like 50,000 plus followers on Instagram and she's all over the world now. And she just launched a new educational platform that people can click a button and buy it. I had a conversation with one woman there and I was, I had, I finally got to the part of my workshop around LinkedIn and I talked about LinkedIn and I, I stole all the virtues of it being a woman in business and a thought leader, but I am. And she said, you know, I just, I just don't get this. I mean, why do I need LinkedIn? I'm not looking for a job. And she says, please explain to me, why should I be on there? And so I, I, I literally helped her understand, you know, you're an expert, you're a woman, you're a leader, you're beautiful, you're smart, you're articulate, you have a, at least 10 years of experience, you have a huge community, you know half the women in this room, which means that you probably know 50 times the women in the world that you need to connect with on LinkedIn that are also interested not only in your services, but collaborating with you possibly, possibly hiring you to do their work. And she, it never occurred to her that LinkedIn was something other than a job search platform. Yeah. And we had an aha moment too, where turns out, I guess I'm not really searchable, but I think <laughs> it's also important to realize that a lot of these platforms, I mean, in my case, it would be like, okay, so I have been in digital my entire career and didn't realize that no one could find me. But LinkedIn has changed since yeah. <laughs> when I first set up that profile. Yeah. Yeah. It's much more of a social platform than it ever yes. has. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that my, my answer to her was you have to break the narrative in your head and don't believe what you're fed, that you have to look at things differently and say, how is this going to work for me for what my goals are? But that also requires you to think about what your goals really are. And once you articulate your goals and you can figure out, well, what platforms are going to help me get to those goals? And I've never looked at LinkedIn as a employment search place because when I launched on LinkedIn, which was many, many years ago, I had my own company. So I never looked at it that way. But I was really interested because one woman said, you know, it never even occurred to me that I should be using LinkedIn to find employees. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? She still was, no, I mean, really, she was thinking yeah. that this is for me to find a job. But it's not for me to use as a tool because I don't even know that she was thinking of herself completely as an employer. And that has a lot to do with the narrative, right? Like I'm hearing that kind of as a through line for both of these, that it's hard for us to, or for women, maybe it is to own into, I'm yes. an expert. That's a yes. big word that I have enough knowledge and expertise to teach others that I might need an employee for the thing that I'm doing and that that would help me grow. Like all of yes. this is like a, it's next level shit. Really, <laughs> It really is. It's really next level. And that's why all the women were there. They wanted to go next level because they wanted to know, how can you be like Kelly? Well, I'm, I was there to reinforce and validate Kelly and say, look, she's here because she's doing all the things. Yeah. And you have to do some of these things to get to a certain place to make it work for yourself. And, you know, the whole conversation around podcasting was a complete, you know, a thing because my narrative on podcasting is, like you said, you have enough, you have a voice, you have a lot of expertise, you have your own company. You have people you want to reach. Share what you know with others. I mean, the, the best way to do it right now is actually podcasting. I know yeah. you would agree, Paula. You're an expert. <laughs> Thank you. you and that, I mean, that's, that was one of the things that came through loud and clear, especially if she podcasts, is when I walk in and I say, yeah, I've been doing this for five years. People are like, what? And there was something in there. Maybe that's a thing about marketing. If you're not really fully comfortable in what you have to offer, go hang out at a conference, at a group that is doing what you do 
and let them reflect back like who it is that they see you as, even though I've got clients that I do it. I mean, I'm just admitting that like this was a stretch for me. It takes time for us. And I, I don't want to throw everyone in a bucket, but a lot of women that are that launching businesses off their kitchen table and you are in your kitchen right now, I am. right? Yes. You're in the kitchen and, I, and, I'm, and I'm in my home office. So, you know, we we're in a narrative that we think we're supposed to be doing something else or we think we are doing something because this is the vision that's been given to us. But the reality is, is that, damn girl, you have a business. <laughs> right here. That's right. Right here. Well, it's your business. And it doesn't mean that you have to be making like, you know, $25 million a year for you to be thinking you have a business. It's all relative. I mean, Gary Vaynerchuk talks a lot about this. You know, he talks about like, when is, what is enough or how much, how are you living? How much money do you need to do what you're doing? And maybe you should not be doing so much. You can enjoy the things that you want to do and not have to need so much money to do them. I mean, you know, just because you might be making $10,000 a year, that's still a business. There's people that ain't making 10,000 anything ever. Right. Yes. How do you make $10,000? You know how hard it is to make money? If you know how to make money, you are so much further ahead than a lot of people. I mean, legally, legal money. I mean, seriously, right. like if you're making money legally. Yeah. You know? I mean, a lot of people don't know how to make money. So making even 10,000 hours a year is a sign that you're doing something right. Now, if your goal is 50,000 and you made 50,000 the year before, you know, and the year before that and the year before that, and you're down to 10, then something you have to kind of refigure what you're doing. Yeah. But even still, you know how to make money. So you got to go back to the well and say, what did I do differently that made me sink this far? What, what mistake did I make? And you can take that mistake and learn from it and figure out how to solve the problem for the next time. Totally agree. Yeah. And I think there's something in there too. For me, it took working with a coach because I knew like mm-hmm. I, it took a lot for me to trust that I had the skills and that I could be on my own and do it. And that, I don't know where that shifted, but it did clearly because I'm don't know. I work for myself now, but like I, even though I've been a project manager for 20 years or like 15 at the time, it was like, how come I don't think I could do that? <laughs> like, I don't even know. And I think that it took me literally breaking it down. You said something a little bit about knowing how much you need. And then I could see, oh, I could make that much. Yep. And like, then the belief starts to kick in. Like, no, I've got the skills for this. And that's not as much as I thought it was going to be. Right. So I don't know if this kind of underscores the whole question, which I feel like is kind of weaving in a lovely way through this is like really going back to see and question, well, what I know, is it really true? Like, is LinkedIn just there to get a job? Do I really need X? Like, do I need to be making six figures to make a living? Mm, maybe not. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's absolutely true. I mean, it's like the perennial question for the matrix. There is no spoon. <laughs> you ever seen that? Yes. Um, but yeah, you do have to question everything to use it to your advantage when we're talking specifically about business conditions and business experience. I mean, I'm not talking about personal life or personal world. I'm really thinking about what it means to launch and grow and scale and establish and sustain a business. You've got to break things up all the time. And when you're one person, you really have to work a lot harder to do that. And the only way to do that is to get education and to learn, to do searches online, to jump into communities and groups that you can get information from. Just like you said earlier, I'm finding other people that are reflecting what you like, maybe what you want to be, or a little bit of what you want to be. I mean, you can't, you're not going to find exactly what you want to be. And if you're looking at that in that way, then probably a recipe for failure because you are yourself and you're unique. 
So you have to find some nuggets of things that you love and say, I love what that person's doing. I believe in it and, and go with them, mm-hmm. you know, follow them. And hopefully, you know, they'll follow you back and you can have a conversation and build a community around that. And sometimes you can just jump in depending on your personality. And sometimes it just takes time, yeah. you know, and that's, that's really what it takes. Yeah. I feel like there's also an underscore here too of like, even when we're talking about marketing, I mean, it is a conversation always. <laughs> like, yep. It's and word so, of mouth or it's social media. Say that again. Well, it's word of mouth marketing or social media marketing or podcast mm-hmm. or article writing or blogging or website development, or it could be print advertising. It could be advertising on Spotify. Yeah. It could be telling all your friends and family. It could be when you're on the bus and you're hanging out with, you know, your book and you're getting ready for wherever you're going to your next client meeting. And there's an opening in a conversation and you sort of, oh, that book, I've read it before. It's such a great book. Right. What do you think about it? And that person might say, well, I'm almost done. I said, well, I won't tell you the ending. It looks really cool and have a conversation. Yeah. You know, and see if you can find ways to connect. I mean, connecting online is one way, but it's not the only way, especially when it comes to marketing. So face-to-face is always a great thing, but you have to have the courage to speak. Yes. That can be scary. I mean, I... I will talk to anyone and always have had that as a character trait. (laughs) But I mean, I know for introverts, that's maybe not where they're at. So then, or maybe it is and they pick one person on the bus and they can say one thing and then that kicks open the door. Yeah. Well, I mean, the conversation on introverts is interesting because my employee, um, Esther, is she considers herself an introvert. And we actually did a podcast on the Honest Real Guy podcast about this, about I think it's called I Hate Networking. I don't know what the podcast episode is, but it's I Hate Networking. Yeah. And she talks about, you know, what it's like to be an introvert and to network and to try to meet people. And I I would encourage you to listen to that and encourage your listeners to listen to it. I'll link it up. Because it's fascinating because I'm the opposite of that, Paula. I'm I'm not afraid to network. I mean, I'm not ashamed to walk into a room if I forgot to wear my shoes and still like try to get the deal. (laughs) And I did do that once. I walked outside and I had on two different shoes on. I thought, what the heck just happened? What the heck? I looked down like, what the... What the hell is this? I have different shoes on my feet. Yeah. Oh my God. It happens. Yeah. It's interesting to know that about not, you know, that as an introvert, Esther would have a very different style of how she's going to interact with people. And I know a past episode was with my friend, Laura Lai, and she's an introvert and started a podcast. And she found that that is a really comfortable place for her to have a discussion. She she weaves in Depeche Mode in every episode. <laughs> and it's like, wait, so, why Depeche Mode? Like every conversation is Depeche Mode? Every episode has the name of a Depeche Mode song in it. She's, wow. Yeah, her show is Quietly Bohemian. So we'll link that up too. I love it. Oh my gosh. And I mean, I love Depeche Mode. I know. I know. They're fine. It's, I haven't yeah. listened to them in a long time, but you know. Now you're going to want to go listen. I'm going to have um, to go listen now. I think part of the marketing and the joy of that is like knowing in Laura's example, like she knew that she didn't want to have a really broad conversation and she didn't want to show up as an extrovert. So she's like owning the thing that makes her unique, just as it sounds like you would be owning the thing that makes you unique about like you would talk to somebody on the on the bus when you have two different shoes on and like both are great. Both have a different way of being. <laughs> I mean, you know, whatever, I, I agree with you, whatever, whatever works for whatever your goals are, you know, if you have a goal, 
and you're articulate about what it is, you've got to figure out a way to get there. And if you're an introvert and the way to get your goal is to launch a podcast, then that's what works and just do it. Just go do that. You know, I kind of think that's what has to happen. I mean, some people have a wider palette of opportunities to choose from depending on their personality. They can do this, they can do that. They can go here, they can go there, they can go straight ahead or they can actually go backwards or they can go in a circle. Like they can choose all these things. Yeah. And you know, I mean, you could be a master of all or maybe not and still have success or you can just say, I'm going to do this one thing and be very successful at that. I mean, I, I just, you know, you just have to try new things. You know, I feel like some people that just have one thing, they end up becoming billionaires. You know, maybe I should try to figure out what I need to do in my life <laughs> to like <laughs> make myself think about one thing and, and go with that. You know, but it's just, I got to wait a little while for that. I got to figure out how to get my kids through college and things like that. But, but I love that she's owned that because there's some people I think that are introverted that are shamed into their introversion. You know, they feel like they're not, they don't belong or they're not worthy or they can't keep up or, or they're out of the mix or not part of society because they're not even leveraging things like social media effectively right. because yeah. they're more, they're more reticent about the information that they want to share. Right. Yeah, I agree. And kind of leaning in and owning what you, what feels right instead of probably showing up in a way that isn't authentic to yourself and feeling like I got to be on social media. So here I am, but I don't really know why. You know, I just, I wonder sometimes if there's other ways to do it, because I will tell you when I lead these workshops across the country as a separate section of my business, because the workshop and training is is different than my brand strategy work that I do for companies and mid-market companies, things like that. But, you know, I see the faces of people at at my workshops and they're like, wow, this is so much to do. I don't even have the money to do all this. Like there's just, there's too much. And and in some ways I almost feel like there's, we're getting close to a time that so many people are launching businesses. Like I think as of 2007, like 44% of the women in the, in the United States are launching a business. It's like 44%. It's a huge number. Right. All of those women are having a really hard time keeping up with their businesses with all this online requirement. There's, so there's, there's, we're getting to a point where there's, there's going to have to be something that allows people to network and market in a different way and maybe make it seamless or, or more like pipeline or something. Because it's, it's getting to be too much to do. Yeah. It really is. And I think maybe that also goes back to finding the thing that feels like the right fit. Like you don't have to be everywhere and it's probably wherever feels the easiest in some ways that then oftentimes is the biggest result. Like, cause yeah, I, I mean, as, as long as that aligns with your goal, right? If you're, if you're, yes. you have to look at your goals and then put that goal at the end of a spreadsheet and then figure out the journey to that goal. And you have to decide, is the goal manageable? Is it attainable? Is it achievable? Do I have the staff to get there? Yeah. And if the answer is no, you better change that goal and put it in a place that you can make it work. Because what I'm saying is that doing one thing is not going to get you a giant pot of gold. Unless maybe Oprah Winfrey touches you on you on your shoulder. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Yeah. You're the one and I'm waiting for her to touch me. But you do have to actually be in a lot of different places. So then what does that look like? It looks like, I was asking someone at Google recently, I said, look, what automated platform is available for small businesses that we can do 10 things at once because it's hard for us to do all the 10 things. It's hard for us even to automate the 10 things. So where can a small business go and leverage artificial intelligence and automation that it's not going to cost us, you know, $10,000 a month to do it. Mm -hmm. And there is no answer yet. 
Yeah. There's no answer because you still have to do a lot of the legwork. And this is the place where it gets really tiring. So, you know, marketing is getting tough. And I, and I always, when I'm out there talking to people, I don't lie about this. I don't say that there's a magic button that you can press and make it all work. Yeah. And I think that honesty is also especially appreciated because then it also honors how much time we are all putting into each different thing. Even if we're using some automated tools, like it's still not easy even to be posting on all the socials. Like that's not simple. No, because you have to actually come up with the idea behind the content you're writing before you post it. Mm -hmm. And who has time to think and write anymore? Let's just be real. (laughs) We got stuff to do. We do got stuff. We got stuff going on. I don't have time to write all that. I need an artificial intelligence that can pick my brain and like get it into the the system and automate and post it for me. Just, Just run my, just connect with my thoughts and run the thoughts. Yeah. And repurposing as like the only thing I've got on that. You know what I mean? Like taking the transcript of something and turning it into the blog post and then using that to put into social and, you know, like how can you make it work harder and smarter instead of more, working more? (laughs) I love that because, you know, I talked about that. I talk about that all the time. So one person asked me recently, I have so much of a backlog of content. What in the world? I mean... I have so much stuff already. I, at this point, I think she feels overwhelmed by all the stuff she's got. And that's another thing that I think people are kind of not thinking about or talking about as much. Even if you have two months of backlog content, how do you then go back and take it out and repurpose it and recategorize it and fix it and then start rolling it through your different channels? Yeah. And you know what I said to her was, I said, you're not going to like when I tell you this, but you're going to have to start a spreadsheet. And you're going to have to go in and rename your JPEGs and you're going to have to name your videos and you're going to have to put them in a spreadsheet. You're going to have to categorize them according to topic. You're going to have to break them up in terms of the kind of audiences that want to hear this. And then you have to put links. And that way you can start taking these spreadsheets and loading them into a platform like a Sprout Social or a Hootsuite, mm-hmm. right? Which connects all the social platforms. And then you can start automating that way. But it sounded easy, but the whole concept of putting things in a spreadsheet for her, like asked, that's where she stopped. And I said, then you're going to have to do it one at a time. Like one at a time, that's going to take a lot of physical effort and mental stamina on your part to do that. Yeah. And that's kind of what's happening. You can decide to be someone who posts content very rarely because you don't have time or you can post very often, but you have to automate, which means you have to pre-plan and pre-think and have a better process for organizing it. I mean, you've already got this down, Paula, because you've got a podcast. So you know how to take the recordings, how to send them up, transcribe them, how to take out the nuggets, how how to clean them up and edit them. How to then figure out what image should I put around it? What topic do I want to focus on? How can I find something here and have another podcast later with somebody else because a nugget came from here and there? Like you have a process in your brain around your podcast that took you time. You said you've been doing this for four or five years now. You didn't start off with that. I don't know. Maybe you did. Well, I did, but I was a okay. project. Ma- I was a project manager in advertising. Used to whole streams <laughs> of content and campaigns, and I was like, take this that I know how to do, layer it on this new thing I want to do. And yeah, I mean, from the beginning, I have a spreadsheet. Yeah. And we yeah. base camp. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm yep. not messing around because I don't, I mean, I honestly don't have time to yep. make it more complicated. So while it's out, yeah, I mean, it's that balance of like, get it organized and then it's less work, really. And I love that. I think that that's kind of what I, I mentioned to her. Start off right the next time and then keep going and get better and better at it. Yeah. And, you know, otherwise... It's basically like having a basement and realizing I'm going to have to spend my entire summer cleaning it out and you keep postponing it. And you're like, yes, 
I can't do it this summer. I'm going to just wait till next summer. One box you know at a time. You know like the, yeah. the Riggers of the Lost Ark, that scene where all the boxes at the end where the, the Ark of the Covenant was like put in a box and like, yeah. Put the yeah. That's what she was describing of her content. Yeah. It's all over the place and I don't know how to put it back together. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love talking to you. You're great. I love this too. Well, will you tell us real quick where people can find you before we get to the last question? Yes. At Burke Creative is my agency Instagram channel. And that's also my Twitter feed. And you can find me on LinkedIn by looking for Ginger Burke and Bueller Burke Design. And I will accept your connection only if you make sure you tell me that you heard me on the Paula Jenkins show. <laughs> you know, we got, we got to have a name on there so I know it came from you. And then also I have a website, Burke Creative. And then my podcast, which is, I think, really fun. The Honest Field Guide podcast is available everywhere where you can get a podcast. And I just recently interviewed some really cool people, Paul, Paul Jarvis, who wrote the book, The Company of One, which is an awesome discussion around why you should not scale or grow your business. And it's, it's kind of what we were talking about, making a decision that what is enough. And I just interviewed also the fourth generation owner of the Chicago Blackhawks. And he talks about, you know, how is he transforming his family business into a technology space, which is, you know, really kind of a big deal. And so, yeah, The Honest Cool Guys is really the place. I'd love for anybody to subscribe to that. And I'm excited about that. And Instagram, of course, is Bird Creative and Honest Field Guide. And I just did a great post about you on there too, Paula. I know. So you're, my, you're my first. You just like broke my podcast virginity. Ah, I'm so glad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm honored, yeah, really. really. Oh, so glad. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, well, and then... Last and most joyfully, what are three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or in other people's lives? Love it. The first place is to figure out how to carve a space for peace and meditation, even if it's only five minutes. Take a five-minute break. I take five-minute breaks after I work out and I go into the sauna and both the steam room and I sit and I try so hard. It does take me time because I got a lot of stuff going on. But I just try to think about what my body feels like and what my skin feels like just so I can remember that I'm actually a human being. And that's, that's part of my process. The other part for me is being very discerning in the type of clients that you pick and work with. You know, don't just take a job for the money. Of course, unless you really need it and you have to kind of swallow some of your pride, but try to find relationships with your clients that align with the type of outcome that you're looking for. So are you looking for a collaborative relationship in your clients? Then try to find people that are willing to collaborate. If somebody is asking you to do a job and you're kind of just doing production or servant for them and you're just doing what they say, there's some people that are okay with that. They just want to be a worker, but you have to just be to start, start being more discerning and that way we can elevate, we can elevate everyone if we start saying no to certain things. And that takes time to learn to say no. And then learn what to say yes to. And the third thing for me is to expand your community, because that will bring you joy. Meet and talk to people that you're not used to talking to, that, that don't look like you, that maybe don't sound like you, that, you, that may be from a culturally different background or a different financial background, a different gender. Find people that you can have interesting, authentic conversations with in real life. I think that being able to have a touch with people is something that we're starting to miss a little bit. You know, I look at my children and they're developing relationships in chat rooms all the time and they're not really seeing people face to face and they swear that their best friend is online. And I'm like, do you really know what your best friend looks like? No, but he's great. I'm like, do you even know if it's a boy? So, I mean, you know, find some joy in finding people. I mean, I have, I had a lot of joy at She Podcast and I met you. 
Yeah, that was really special and Mm -hmm. amazing to find a bunch of us. Like that I never would have guessed that there was this community of people so much like me and and that we had so much fun, all of us together. So thank you so much for being on, Ginger. This has been so much fun. Thank you, Paul. It's such a joy. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. If you want to find out more about this episode, including links to the things that we've talked about, you can find the show notes at jumpstartyourjoy.com. And you can search for this episode right up there in the right-hand corner of the website. You'll find it. While you're on the website, I know you're going to want to sign up for my weekly newsletter, which is Three Joyful Things. It's where I take a look and give you guys the behind the scenes of what I'm really thinking about with each episode, including the inspiration, intention, and action, along with the choices that you can make in your own life to bring some of the things that each guest or I share into your everyday life. So it's a lot of fun. You can find the sign up for that off the homepage or within the show notes of every episode. And I would love to connect with you. I hang out a ton on Instagram where my handle is jumpstartyourjoy. You can also find the Facebook page for this podcast at jumpstartyourjoy. So I hope you guys will come on back next week. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.